You wanna, you wanna hear it from my mouth face to face? I'm gonna tell you what I really think of you now. Like I said, you showed the world that you could really go. You did great, Orange. But overall, you don't have what it takes to be with Le Champion. You're lazy. You got a bad attitude. Yeah, you got a bad attitude. You're a sloth. You're entitled. So I'll say it one more time, Orange. There will never be a rematch. So take those sunglasses, fold them up, and shove them straight up your ass. And then you can get the hell out of my arena. Go. I said get the hell out of my arena, you piece of shit! Oh my good, come on. <laughs> You're gonna give us the thumbs down, huh? What are you gonna do, Orange? What are you gonna do, huh? What are you gonna do? You got nothing! Oh, 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 oh. oh my god, look at Jericho! Orange juice, I'm assuming there's oranges everywhere. The inner circle of the champion have been juiced. Jericho has been absolutely humiliated. Destiny! Destiny! This jacket costs $7,000! Destiny! Get up, you idiot! Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome. Remember how to do the intro. <laughs> Hasn't been that long. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's the only wrestling podcast Woo! called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette, and with me once again, as always, is the janitor himself. He's cleaning up the messes of the masses, Josh Custodio. Uh. Big pull of coffee there. Big pull of coffee to get the energy up because uh, we're back. It's back. Things are back. We're back. <laughs> yes, it's the big return. And obviously, Josh, if anyone wanted to hear our wrestling opinions over the time that maybe uh, there weren't any top marks to listen to, uh, there, there would have been plenty of opportunities yeah. to do so. You were talking about the New Japan Cup almost every single day over on your Patreon there. And on Wrestle Central, the, the news was being broken down left and right. So uh, I, I think this can be a nice space for top marks. We, we do our things, and then when we want to do it, we do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it doesn't happen every single week, but uh, maybe we don't tackle the, you know, weekly subjects the way we do on our uh, individual efforts. But yeah, I always like coming together and talking about the business with uh, one of my hashtag good friends. One of my best hashtag good friends. <laughs> the hashtag best good friends. Uh, speaking of which, happy birthday. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, the, the, the ripe age of 24, ready to, to seize Vancouver for all it's worth. The wind in his back, the, the gleam in his eye. 
guy? Oh, the world is my oyster. I've got everything ahead of me. <laughs> Just, uh, yes, a young man on the cusp of... Uh, of <laughs> how, how in touch with that guy are you? Because we were all that guy at some point moving here, right? Yeah, no, I was born here. All right, I guess that's true. You, you were... really you... adopted this city. <laughs> I was born in it. Molded by it. You're saying you never had the gleam in your eye. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, when I left to move up north, I feel like uh, that was, like, the beginning of, like, my big adventure of right. my career. And that I was heading off to make something of myself in the great big world. And here I fucking am. So and we're back. <laughs> and it's so funny that only in, like, that story of that exact order could moving from Chetwind to Vancouver be sold as, like, any sort of, like, admission of anything. <laughs> like, in 99% of cases, it's an absolute right choice and a marker of huge success. Hey, I moved back for a job. It just so happened right. that that job happened to be an absolute nightmare and one of the worst <laughs> experiences of my life. So it is what it is, right? Oh, that's funny. Well, well, happy birthday, man. Uh, may, we, may we stay as unshaded and as uncynical as always. And uh, I hope today's uh, – you're one of many, but, like, the COVID birthday is a weird thing, right? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the fact that it, we're into uh, a, a later phase here and the fact that we're also in Vancouver, of course, yes. which is, you know, relatively safe, I think. Like, I don't – I still wear a mask and I am still using hand sanitizer and all that, but I don't really fear getting COVID when I leave the house the way that I did four months ago. Yeah, I'm basically, I would say, the, the exact same for that. I still follow, like, all the protocol, but my paranoia has managed to uh, to, to settle down It a bit. still exists, though. You will not yeah. go to a movie theater. Our, I know, man. Our I local, feel weird about it. Our local indie theater is playing The Thing next weekend, and I am going to go, but uh, uh-huh. you will not. Yeah, man, I don't even know what it is. Our, our pal Rory went on uh, Sunday. I think they were showing the the Goonies or something. They're showing some movie there, and then he invited me. But I, I don't know. Like, I if you ask me to explain to you, you could be like, Josh, you know. There's, like, no chance you're going to get COVID going to the movie theater. Like, I know that for some reason. My brain's just kind of in a weird space. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I totally get it. I, I mean, it's weird to me that I'm willing to go. I just think I miss going to the movies so yeah. much that, like... Well, and if you're going to go back for one, the thing at the Rio is like, that's what what a Rio movie. Who's but this podcast even for? Yeah, this movie is great at this specific indie theater. But also, also, though, like, you know, Scotiabank Theater opened downtown. That's like our big Cineplex one yeah. in Vancouver. That's one of the, uh, you know, a handful of Cineplex locations in the country that reopened a like a month ago or so, I think. Yeah, I th- yeah, three weeks a month, something like and that. And they're playing classics as well for five bucks and like some yeah. new things, some things that were about to come out or or did come out right before the shutdown. They're playing uh, the hunt that got delayed like three oh, to separate right. times. And I do want to see that, but I haven't gone to. Uh, Cineplex yet, so I think that does say something about the allure of like a single screen independent, and that like if they're gonna play a classic like The Thing, hell yeah, I want to go to that, and I'll pay full price to see it relative to Cineplex is like, hey, five dollars, will you please come back? And I'm like, nah, I got better things to do. (laughs) Well, a part of that is I really don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like I think you and I, I don't mean to speak for you here, but like I think you also care about like the Rio surviving in a way that you probably don't for. 
Scotia Bank. Oh yeah, of course. It's the fucking. It's the the bank is in the name. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think Scot- they're gonna be okay. <laughs> I remember being young and them always pushing like the Scotia Bank with movie card. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> now it's like, oh, what it is is actually makes perfect sense. <laughs> Jay, I can't believe we're talking about this stuff because, good lord, the the, the wrestling world has been uh, buzzing since we last stopped. And I want to start somewhere way back because I think it's something we both have something to say on, and we don't have to belabor it or stay long because uh, it happened so long ago. But Paul Heyman left Raw basically right after we heaped a ton of praise on uh, on uh, Paul Heyman leading Raw. Yes, uh, th- I think that was a story that broke like immediately after we were done recording in our last episode, which goes That's to right. show how long it's been since we have put something out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I I have to say, Josh, I don't want to be Peter Rosenberg and, um, you know, talk about product that I haven't watched. So I will sure. cop to the fact that, especially in the wake of speaking out, uh, personally, I did not feel great about wrestling and, and uh, kind of needed to take a mental break. So I didn't watch a lot of the Raws that have gone on uh, since Paul Heyman has been uh, not responsible for it since he was cast out and it's Bruce Pritchard now running both shows. So I can't really definitively say what kind of job Pritchard has done, but I will say that it it is disappointing that Heyman was given the boot, especially when you hear like some of the the reasonings and the justifications that Vince has given, you know, what the dirt sheets are saying about... um, why this move was made, which is that uh, Vince did not feel that Heyman was getting these new guys over, which is just an impossible <laughs> critique to levy against someone when you're putting on shows in the middle of a fucking pandemic! Like, I, I, I love the idea that, like, Heyman pushes, like, let's say Apollo Crews for, like, a month, and Vince is just like, it's not working, pal! The fans like, are taking this guy! How could you possibly... Like, I'm sure they have some, like, social media metrics, and, like, I'm sure there's, like, some basis that they make it around, but but good lord, that was uh, well, funny and disappointing to me. I think he's reacting to the fact that there's just been a tune-out factor as the, you know, Raws and the pandemic have gone along. It's, it's not a surprise the last couple weeks here we've seen, you know, Raw set consecutive, actually not consecutive, because I think there was one week where it didn't, but... You know, it had the worst rating it's ever had, and then, you know, a rating that wasn't quite as bad as that, and then another, two weeks later, worst rating it's ever had. There have been two record lows in the last two weeks for Raw, so... I I just don't know, like... And maybe, listen, who 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 is a bigger, you know, sort of mark for Paul Heyman than me? Like, I get it to some degree, but I just don't know what the guy has to do to get, like, some trust with Vince in particular. Like, look, whatever you want to say about ECW, WWEF stole a ton of it and ended up bringing in, what, 80% of the total talent. Then they bring in Heyman. He goes on to take charge of SmackDown. For the only time ever, SmackDown beats Raw on the ratings. He puts together the SmackDown 6, gets the boot, uh, like th- comes back, makes Raw better than ever. The guy's a better eye for stars than basically anyone. Mike Knox being like basically the only exception I can think of. Maybe Curtis Axel, but that sounds more like Vince made him do that anyway. I I, I just don't get like what what does he have to do to not be the scapegoat for this sort of thing? And you know? like he knows how to push people, which I think is yes. the, the biggest problem with WWE right now is that like even the people that we want to cheer for. 
like Drew McIntyre being the exception because, you know, basically everything that they've done with Drew disproves any criticism that you want to make about WWE's typical <laughs> handling of people. But he's just one guy, and that's just this year. So, like, you know, they don't really know how to... Uh, l- connect characters with audiences that want to be receptive to them most of the time. But Heyman comes in, and he takes a guy like, you know, you mentioned Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews, uh, in interviews this week, talking about the fact that he owes his entire push right now to Paul Heyman. How long had that guy been on the main roster, Josh? Like, four years at this point? I would love to know the answer to that question. I suspect it's it's closer to four years than it is three. Yeah. Like, wh- think of when Apollo Crews was in NXT. That feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, oh, absolutely. And he spent very little time there. He was hot-shotted to the main roster in a way that was probably very detrimental to him over the long term. But Heyman just pulls this guy out of obscurity, gives him a money match on television, and suddenly people take a shine to not just his character, but his wrestling as well. And uh, I do worry about Raw's ability to kind of make you care about new characters like that going forward, because from what I have seen of the Pritchard era, it's very cartoonish. It's very over-the-top. And, like... I kind of liked this ninja stuff with the start, but the longer it goes on, just the worse it becomes for me. Yeah, I I must say that on whole, it's funny because we started Top Marks how many years ago? Do you know? Uh, probably three years as well. Three years, something like that. And I remember being very critical, me in particular, being critical of people who were like, you got to watch New Japan. WWE is just worthless and and thinking that was kind of a bad attitude to have. And I don't want to say I've become that person because I still get enjoyment out of WWE. But it is so weird to me to watch Dominion last Saturday, Sunday, whatever you want to call it, and just see like how easily they execute like this giant angle that makes me feel like super interested in the company. And I tried to think of the last time I had like a moment like that with WWE. And it wasn't like New Japan dealt with, and I'm talking about evil turning on Los Angeles to Japan and joining Bullet Club. It's not like that was handled perfectly or there it couldn't have been drawn out a bit more or there weren't other things you could have done to hone it in like it wasn't the most difficult story to tell and yet i can't think of the last time wwe left me at the end of a pay-per-view being like oh my lord i am eager for more of this and and that is a problem and i think it ties into what you're saying about star making yeah and you know i think the last times for me both involve john moxley because <laughs> it's weird it to would, think about isn't it it would be the end of double or nothing his debut in AEW attacking yeah. kenny which is not WWE, obviously. No, no, but, but then, I, I get your point. But then before that, the biggest moment is probably him cashing in after Seth beat Roman, that that night where every member of the Shield held <laughs> the belt within five minutes of each other. Basically. Money in the Bank 2015. Yeah, uh, show that you were at in person, which yeah. is five years ago. I, I know. It's so boring to talk about, like, oh, can you believe how long ago this thing was? Because... They're all insane to me. Like, every single one blows my mind. Like, that could not be five years ago. I just refuse to believe you. 2015 was six months ago or so. Um, but I I think that for me, weirdly enough, was that before or after the, the Rollins return, where he was super jacked and off the knee injury? That was There was a, a pay-per-view that ended 
with with Rollins returning off an of injury. And I remember being pretty hyped to watch Raw the next night after that. That was the month before, or maybe okay. two months before, because Rollins coming back to attack Roman was the prelude to that money. In the right, bank right, match. right. That's exactly right. But yes, that was a big one too. Him coming back at the end of that pay per view, I remember being very fired up for that. But yeah, like that dude. That's so long ago, and that's why it drove me crazy. And obviously, you and I have obviously uh, talked at length about um, Dominion on our respective uh, venues. Yes, yes, yes. But like the complaints about the finish of that show and the way that that they just strapped the rocket to evil over the course of those back-to-back nights, Friday, Saturday, I don't understand complaining about that one. Like (laughs) like you said, it felt like the biggest event that we've seen in wrestling in a very, very long time. It had drama. It had heartache. And I know that you're a big Naito guy who uh, was probably very upset to see your man's reign cut short. But, like, sadness is a very effective emotion sometimes in pro wrestling storytelling. You don't you know what I want to see audience... so badly now? Naito kick evil's ass. Exactly. Like, legitimately. Like, actually want that match. Like, in a way, not in a, like, oh, AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. That will be fun to watch. Like, Naito versus evil is, like, a different thing for me now. You know what I mean? You have emotional investment. It has emotional stakes. Because, like, sure, you don't want finishes that, like, annoy and piss off your audience to the point that they're not going to come back but making your audience upset and sad and like you know this this is all drama and effective storytelling this is all good stuff well and again you can't do i saw people being like and i think you and i had spoken about this in the chat so and i know you agree with me already so it's maybe a little route to talk about but like people being like oh russo book dominion or something like that it's like no like Russo booking New Japan would mean shit like that happened constantly and it would suck. This is the only instance I can think of this, like besides uh, Kenny booting AJ, but I think everybody saw that coming because of the signing of uh, AJ to to WWE at the time. So like, I, I just don't get the comparison to act like because they do it once. It's uh, it's emblematic of some problem. It, it's so crazy to me. And the idea that like evil is just being hot shotted out of nowhere, as if this guy is well, like yeah. j- some fledgling talent <laughs> that you know the company is really taking a chance on. Like he's been a featured player, a key guy for basically the entire time that I've been watching New Japan. Josh, he's main evented which... multiple shows. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. He's not listen. You could make that argument about basically anybody besides Naito or Okada, right? How many matches did Chris Jericho work over the course of that year? Uh, yeah, three, four maybe. And one of them was against Evil. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's a big deal. It's a huge <laughs> deal. And that match was really good also, I yeah. thought. Well, and that's that's sort of the point I wanted to make here. Like, AJ, Bryan, AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. And again, I, I like both those wrestlers. Not personally in AJ's case. But uh, I, I, I <laughs> like both those wrestlers a no. lot. He's but, just asking questions. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sure is. <laughs> uh, but, but, like, Evil wouldn't make my list of, like, top 25 best in-ring workers. He might not even make my list of best 25 in-ring workers in New Japan. And yet, here I am. He's, like, the person I want to watch wrestle people. Well, he's That's worth something. Charisma, too, though. Like, For I think sure. And whatever, a clear gimmick. Whatever he's missing in-ring, which I still think he's very proficient, but obviously, you're right. Yeah. Like, the overall work rate of that company is... To a point where, uh, you know, there are, like, yes, probably dozens of people that do rank ahead of him. But, like, he is just so compelling. And even changing up his entrance to be completely different and changing up his entire kind of aesthetic and appearance. Man, I think the way that he does the two suites 
is like the coolest too sweet I've ever seen. From the like down below, like hand upside down. Yeah. It's it, everything about it was it just totally works for me. So again, mileage will vary, I guess. Like it's one of those things where if you want to pick it apart, I can't disagree with anything. Like, did overnight evil become the top guy of a huge company at the double champion? It's like yeah, yeah. If you didn't enjoy that, I guess I can't. I can't tell you anything. But but, good lord, do I feel uh, swept up by New Japan? But just to circle back, like, is Bruce Pritchard going to be the guy to give us a moment like that? Yeah, that's. I was about to make that same transition because no, I don't think so. And it is dispiriting to see Heyman get the boot, like especially like right on the heels of what I thought were the best Raws of his run, and to be For having sure. your best shows. In a pandemic with no crowd, like, do you know how much skill that takes? Like, well, it just like the, the lack of of nonsense, or at least like everything giving a chance to have meaning. Like, you mm-hmm. can tell what the angle was, which each thing on, with each thing on the card with Heyman, relative to just like guys wrestling. And WWE feels like a lot of guys wrestling lately, and I don't mind that. Except with the twelve minute TV format, it's hard to put on a match that's super compelling. So where that middle ground is is always going to be their battle. But I just don't know that I think Bruce Pritchard is more deaf. And listen, if you don't want it to be Paul Heyman, I understand that. But maybe it's time for fresh blood. I just don't think Bruce Pritchard is your answer to any of this. Yeah, and. I don't know. I just, you know, Raw is the longer show. And if you can fill that time by having a show that's compelling for the for the full three hours, which is a very difficult task, but Heyman was actually pulling off. Like part of the way to do it is to do what he did and let matches run long. Have a three segment yes. TV match with two good wrestlers putting on a show. Like ultimately, it feels like uh, Heyman put wrestling on display, and the company's reaction was to be embarrassed that they're a wrestling company. Essentially, is how I feel because the the defense that I've heard of this move are people being like, well, you know, you can't just put on a a 30-minute match with Aleister Black and Apollo Crews and expect people (laughs) to be interested in that. I know I come back to this match all the time, but I did hear it specifically mentioned, and it's like, that match is responsible for this Apollo Crews run. You all bought in because he had a great TV match. Like... Come on. He he really, I mean, like you said, what more does he have to do to prove he knows he can do this? He had the formula down. And you're right. I don't trust Bruce Pritchard, though. You've been watching the show more than I have lately. So has it taken a turn? Do you think that it is noticeably different? I just find, a, I, I would love to come here and say, like, oh, the show's taken a, a deep, steep, noticeable fall. And I can't say that. Like, I've watched most Raws since, and I don't feel like the show's taken a steep fall. I just can't help but feel like in the meta, my interest has fallen, knowing Paul Heyman isn't there. Because it's not like Heyman was great to begin at Raw. Like, I don't think we've seen the fallout. Like, the angles that he started are still carrying out. I think, like, two months from now is going to be, like, a better test of how Bruce Pritchard is doing behind the wheel. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just think about all the talents that uh, Heyman was given a chance to, you know, and, and some of them are like publicly pissed off i would yeah. say Liv morgan is very obviously uh not too thrilled with the way her fates have changed in the last couple weeks here and you know she's publicly calling out the way her match was edited for tv as well so brutal uh 
just brutal. I feel bad for her because I like Liv. I've always liked Liv, you know? Uh, yeah, there's think... an old episode of this show where you and I watched an NXT after recording. We both talk about how cool Liv's moveset is it, on it. Yeah. So years ago. It's just, it, you know, you feel bad for these people who finally were getting a shot who might go back to just not getting a shot. And it's because... Of the whims of a crazy old man, so who can who can say what like what anything is going to look like on a week to week basis? The way this guy changes his mind on everything. Certainly not me, man. But but let's let's talk about uh, Vince McMahon. But more specifically, the the more active than ever Wednesday night wars that have been going on because between a, a two week Great American Bash and a, what what would you call Fighter Fested to fight for the fallen? Do we have a name for that yet? Um. Like, uh, it, I don't know, it just feels like summer pay-per-view season on Dynamite. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, actually, maybe we can linger there for a second. What do you think about billing Dynamite, not rather as an episode of Dynamite, but here's part one of Fighter Fest, part two of Fighter Fest, and part three, Fight for the Fallen. Uh, I think it is important to make the shows feel special sometimes. Sure. And it's the same reason that I enjoyed uh, earlier in the year when they did, of course, Bash at the Beach before they went on the Jera Cruise. And then the Jera Cruise show, which was a ton of fun as well. Like, you do need special TV sometimes to just add a little spice and flavor to uh, the product overall because like what were we just talking about Raw feels like a slog sometimes and part of Mm -hmm. that is that it's a three hour show but it's also that it never goes away and we watch it 52 weeks a year you know (laughs) like (laughs) zero off season yeah and, and so I do think especially at a time when there is inclination for tune out. I know going back to my like diehard wrestling days as a kid, even as someone who uh, you know had a, an enormous appetite for the business when I was uh, 11, 12, 13 years old, it's hard not to be pulled away from it in July because you've just wrapped up your big June pay-per-view, which was King of the Ring and is now Money in the Bank. Um, And then, like, they're going to start building for SummerSlam later as you get ready to go back to school towards the end of August. In the meantime, it's like, get out there and enjoy the summer, you know? Like... Yeah, we've also been conditioned that, like, this is a period in wrestling where nothing's going to happen. And that's not AEW's fault, obviously. Like, they haven't existed long enough. But WWE has definitely, like, fed us the problem of, like, don't worry. When we get close to SummerSlam, shit will start happening again. Exactly. But, like, it hasn't really felt that way, especially over the last, like, four weeks, if you want to include, like, the New Japan Cup. Like, everything's been happening, it sort of feels like. Uh, and, And the Wednesday Night Wars have felt real and legitimate and yes i agree and it's it it wasn't every week you could say that before you know like i think that the shows have been good on both sides i haven't watched this week's nxt yet but i did really like uh night two of great american bash last week um i really enjoyed that main event quite a a lot actually uh and, and you could say that about pretty much every single aew show the tv has been very very good three weeks in a row and you know the build to this wasn't bad either so um i i think i think it does benefit the company to just have a big show like this and it also gives your tv something to build towards when you're a company that runs four pay-per-views a year like you do need to come up with things that will uh feel different in the interim yeah i agree it's uh so first i gotta say that what i'm about to say is dumb because it worked because uh nxt fight or rather aw fight for the fallen had its most commanding win over NXT last night when they ran a third pay-per-view, quote, I'm not going to call them pay-per-views, but third event television and NXT didn't. 
But I will say that three feels like too much for me. Like dynamite feels like it might be uh like a, a step down next week in a way. Like it's like, oh, right, we're done the like three important shows. And I didn't feel that way about two for some reason. But but like next week dynamite feels kind of small tier relative to the run we've been on. But also they were kind of forced into this, right? Like True. They they probably wanted to run it so that OC Jericho was the main event of Fighter Fest Night One and that Mox Cage was the main event of Fighter Fest Night Two. And of yes. course, Mox being held out because Renee got COVID f- forced them to push their biggest match back another week. And then you've you have this brand from last summer. You have obviously an ongoing tragedy affecting the entire of world. Essentially, it makes sense to, <laughs> but especially the country where WWE and AEW operate. Uh, yes, and especially the state in particular. So <laughs> yes. it makes all kinds of sense to bring that brand back. I, I totally get it. But like, yeah, they were forced into this, right? Like, if they if they didn't have to move the Mox match, I doubt that Fight for the Fallen is even a thing. And and they, but like to me, I don't think you're right. I don't think next week is just going to go back to feeling like. Uh, you know, normal TV, and and this is it. Like, I think there is so much excitement for me, especially in that tag division at the moment. That for sure. every time they announce this is the tag match on next week's TV, I'm like, <laughs> holy shit! Can you believe we're getting that for free on TV? That's gonna be great. Yeah, dude, the the AEW tag division is like a crown jewel division across wrestling right now. I think like it's like the New Japan heavyweight division. Like it's just deep. And awesome. Like, what matchup don't you want to see in the AEW tag division right now once you remove SCU? Well, the thing that I was thinking about earlier, Josh, is like, think about who the champions have been. This is a company that's existed for, you know, coming up on close to a year. We're into like nine months of weekly television, I think. Yeah, I think that's almost exactly right. Something in that range. Uh, And we've only had two sets of tag champs, SCU and Hangman and Kenny. And you look at that tag division, and it's like, think of how many teams could have a great run with those belts. Like All of them, mostly. Exactly, and you would want to see all of them get that run, too. Like, there is interest in this tag division to go for years with with just the group you have right now without even changing anything. So, Well, and how about some credit to AEW for also letting the less, import, less important, in quotes, tag teams get some shine? Like, in all these moments, uh, Butcher and Blade are coming along for it, getting pins in moments, getting in a ton of offense. Like... I, I, who loves the FTR, the revival, more than me? But like, do they need the belts right now? No, I don't think so. No, they they, they can go on television and just put on an insane barn burner, and eventually, when you get like, they don't. I'm glad we're not getting Bucks and uh, FTR right out the gate. I genuinely am. Like, I don't know when we're gonna have crowds again, but if there's one match I want to see in front of a crowd again, that's a high on the list. Yeah, I mean, All Out is the next pay per view for them, and that's probably uh you know first weekend of september i would imagine i think yeah labor day weekend isn't it yeah generally? yeah uh so th- whether we get it there or they hold it all the way to double or nothing next year like i do think there is a way to put off that match for as long well, as they possible. know they're doing it they're not even like teasing the bucks ftr match yet like only in the smallest of ways like they are convincingly on a same-ish page. Uh, yeah, I mean, they disrespected Kenny this week, which was a little bit heelish, but then Kenny was a little heelish himself as well. So there's yeah, all... Con- we... I like the all these different alignment teases going on with Hangman and Kenny and the Revival and, like, 
I have no idea what the future of this tag storyline looks like. I know that we are definitely going to get a six-man tag of FTR and Hangman versus the Elite at some point. And, oh, baby, sign me up for that. Uh, Dude, that is like... As like in terms of when I hear six man match, my brain just shifts into throwaway. Mm-hmm. Like Ring of Honor and New Trans trios divisions are worth nothing to me. Uh, six mans are just like general throwaways, or for the Shield or the Wyatts to get over in my mind. <laughs> but that is like that is I want that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although I want to, I've been meaning to say this take somewhere. Uh, I I don't think the Elite as Kenny and the Bucks together, like those three, should lose for a very long time. I think those three you keep basically invincible when they're working together. Invincible, huh? What what if they were to take a bunch of offense from, I don't know, Marco Stunt maybe? (laughs) Oh, God. I I just don't have it for Marco Stunt, man. I know people hate this take and they think it's like you're closed-minded towards wrestling, but he just pushes it too far for me. Yeah, and like I don't know, there were moments where he like he nearly pinned Kenny Omega. You yeah, had like to have the near... Bucks break up the fall, and I'm just sitting here like, man, fucking come on! Like, and I and I, I, I understand I... that there is a role for Marco. I'm not a Marco hater like some of our friends happen to be. I, I like me. I know that like you can put this guy in a spot where it makes sense and it's fun. Like for example, Lance. Archer just fucking murdering him by throwing him around the ring was a ton of fun. I got all sorts of time for that. But yeah, like the very moment that match was announced, you and I both were like, come, like, I'm going to die at the sight of any three of those guys selling for Marco Stunt. And and Kenny obviously trying to make a statement being like, well, if I will, everybody will. But like you said, like that was like damn near a three count. Like they went out of their way to make it a close uh, uh, two fall. I forget what it was off of. Might have been a roll up even. I don't remember. But there was something on on Wednesday where Marco really had it close for Kenny. And I'm just so tired of the oh he's like Spike Dudley or Rey Mysterio. It's like he's not like. Rey Mysterio and and Spike Dudley don't look like kids. Like, it is different. I'm not willing to act like it's the exact same thing. Like, Marco Stunt looks young in a way that those guys don't. And I can't get around yeah. it. Like, I, 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 I don't know what to, to tell people. Like, Kenny Omega looks like, uh, and I've seen him be, like, the grown-ass man top guy. And I hate to sound like, like Jim Cornette here, but I genuinely... That is the level for me where it starts to feel like a little weird. Like I have all the time in the world for comedy wrestling, but for some reason that's just the line for me, and it's it's tough to explain. But it's how I, I feel. I do like the spots where you know Luchasaurus and and Jack will kind of use him as like a living weapon, basically. Yeah, like when they like Mario and Bowser and Super Mario RPG. Yeah, when they did like the you know throwing him from the ropes into a Hurricane Rana. Yes, that is technically Marco hitting a Hurricane Rana, but it feels like like assisted offense so i didn't mind it if that makes sense right yeah there's again i'm not saying there's zero use for him i i just don't need him to be getting an offense on big guys and i'm sorry if that's over analyzing but i just i just i also feel like they do kind of work him uh to the delight of his haters as well right because there was a moment in that match where uh, I think Marco got in offense on Nick, and then Matt came over the top and just kicked his head off. And it was like, There's, yeah. you know, if you're someone like me, you're mad that Marco just got in offense, and then you see him get killed, and you're thrilled. So they're still working you on some level, even if you hate the guy. Uh, For sure. I, I, I do just think that context and setting matter. Like, his brother Logan Stunt was on the, the GCW Backyarder show last uh, weekend. Yeah. 
Like he totally fits in there because it's a little bit more gimmicky and carny and silly and, and lighthearted. And matches are taking places on trampolines, you know? Exactly right. <laughs> exactly that. But <laughs> but I just like Kenny Omega, like Kenny Omega is the the top guy, you know, in some ways. So that's just, just how I feel on that. What do you make, though? I'm not ready to... Uh, what oh, sorry, do you make please. of uh, Kenny's little heel tease at the end of that match, just continuing mm-hmm. to lay in on Marco Stunt? Well, I thought it was... Uh, sometimes Kenny's, like, a, 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 a criticism is the word I'm trying to say. A criticism I see lobbied against him a bunch is that he can be, like, a little theater kid or hammy with the facials sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, boy, that, like, gleam of the cleaner was so obvious like when the wild eyes and the big smile he throws up the gun in front of his mouth for a second and then keeps going i genuinely thought like like storytelling and wrestling is done via moments like that and that was high level like i know it seems simple just like wide-eyed smile and gun i thought that was a tremendously effective moment for me that just like got like triggered that primal brain of mine where it's like oh i'm seeing the guy do the old thing (laughs) Uh, I really do like the long-term storytelling going on in AEW right now. Like, I know that sure. that is a criticism that we have of the industry as a whole, uh, especially WWE, that they don't necessarily do it very well. There's all kinds of like slow burn character stuff going on here. Uh, you know, we've been talking about that with Cody for the last couple months now. Yeah. You know, let's just jump in there. Cody Cody was a heel against Sonny Kiss this Big week, time. right? Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and what a performance from Sonny Kiss, also. Oh yeah, I, I like that match a bunch. Me too. And uh, you know, I I kind of I'm much more tolerant of Cody matches than you are. You know, For I might sure. be the only person on the planet other than Dave Meltzer who thought that Jake Hager match was good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I did think it was good. I had a, I, At least Dave's getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the difference. Dave's getting paid for it, and I'm trying to get paid for it. <laughs> oh, that's um, funny. But no, like, but, there, uh, there's a ton of uh, theater and, and, and stuff to read into in just little moments and uh, little character things. And that's kind of my favorite thing about wrestling, honestly. Like, as someone yeah. who was you know not to uh relay the insult that you just levied at uh, kenny omega something of a theater geek kid in high school like, sure yeah that is what i love about wrestling on some level and i think i think from the guys who are yeah good and i think it, hangman's I think important... been doing great with that kind of stuff yes. too over the last you know better part of eight months sort of like the, most of the year basically that that dynamite's been going hangman's been doing at least something interesting character wise yeah i think hangman's a great guy you can point to like it just doesn't take much like he starts carrying a little drink around a little swagger in here and there letting people know oh he's a little buzzed you know a little he's a little prickish when he's been drinking like it doesn't these guys aren't doing like <laughs> daniel day lewis shit they're adding little bits of nuance that are consistent to telling you something over time like how cool were Pardon me, the top guy's just sitting down at a bar with Hangman this week. Awesome. Awesome. You you had the tweet that you would pay anything to attend that bar. I would. And, like, who wouldn't, you know? <laughs> that bar and, like, the little casino bar where LIJ <laughs> had their little drinky poos when they uh, introduced, I think, Shingo it was. It, it was. it was teasing that they were going to introduce Shingo on that Sunday is what it was. Yeah, yeah. name two better bars in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only difference is that at least with Hangman and FTR, I feel like I'd fit in. Like, everybody at LIJ is in, like, this beautiful tailored <laughs> 
suit looking incredible. You can't speak Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like sitting there grinning ear to ear in a New Japan logo shirt. Just like saying tranquilo every so often. (laughs) Asking it, trying to speak in English, asking if I could do the eye thing with them. (laughs) Is it racist if I do it? Is it? it? I think it might be. Just the worst company ever. Uh, I I don't want to leave the the show comparisons yet, Chamo, because I've been dying to talk about... Uh, Great American Bash versus quarterfinals or, or semifinals versus um, fight for the or fighter fest. If we can do a little of that, was there was there a grouping of those shows that you enjoyed more than the others? Uh, I thought that the main events of Great American Bash both weeks were probably certainly the strongest matches of the Wednesday nights. I don't know that I would put uh, Cole See, and Keith Lee above. Um, you know, the maybe Naito and, and Evil or whatever, you know, or even Evil Okada, honestly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I'm the only person who didn't really like uh, Lee and uh, Gargant or Lee and Cole. I thought it was like way too long. Really? I thought it could have gone longer. Honestly. Is that right? Well, it was only yeah, like I, 16 minutes, I think. It I wasn't like it eternity. wasn't even 20 minutes. Like, I, I just think I'm not that into Keith Lee versus really small guys. I I think, like, I want to see, like, the the Keith Lee I love is, like, wrestling D-Jack and Riddle and, like, doing, like, the big spots. Like, Keith Lee looks so effortless against these guys that it's yeah. like, I, I'm ready for somebody to like push Big Keith and have a big moment in, in NXT. But how about, I, how about a, hang on, a pour I, out I, a liquor? Oh, sorry, I, go ahead. I feel like like two months ago, we heard word that D-Jack was getting called up to Raw, and it hasn't happened, yeah, and right. I'm glad, because I want that match again for, you know, the top belts in NXT. Like that Would we, that be a trilogy at this point, or I, have they done the trilogy? Um, Definitely... At least once in WWE. How many times has it happened in NXT? Because obviously we have the big indie one. Yeah. I think it's happened twice in NXT, but I, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, you would know better than I. But yeah. uh, oh, literally, my memory is so shitty. It's weird. The more wrestling I watch, the more it all blurs together. I, my to- memory I almost- feel that, absolutely. Like, if I'm just, like, on the outside watching, like, the big stuff, like, when Top Marks was full-time off, I was like, how did I not, like, recall this stuff? But now that I'm back to, like, watching all new Japan and Fighter Fest, it's like, one week just feels like an eternity. <laughs> it's like, what was that, man? <laughs> um, let's, uh, but I, I actually thought AEW had the better showing. I, um, I thought the AEW shows were the best. Like, um, I thought the high-end matches of, like, Time Bomb and Ishii were the most must-watch matches of any of it. Um, but in terms of the whole show, I found, uh, AW kind of like AW is like a propulsion that I feel like, like AW is really sloppy. In fact, I think people don't, aren't hard on it in a way that like if WWE tried to execute some of the things I think AW gets away with right now, I think it'd feel different and it feels sloppy to me. And I think some of the singles matches feel really throwaway on AW, but that's all to say that there's just this like propulsion and forward momentum that I'm just more interested on whole of the product. I don't even think it's the better actual product in a vacuum, but I do think that they have more propulsion than main roster WWE or even NXT right now. Well, like I said, right? Like they can just flash up a graphic that's going to tell you what tag matches on TV next week. And you're going to want to come back. Like, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't even matter what else is on the show as long as I'm going to get one, like, banger tag match every single week. And we have been getting that, like, for weeks. I think that's been kind of the calling card of Dynamite 
pretty well the whole way along. Um, but you're right. Like, there is certainly uh, a propulsion to what's going on there, even in the women's division, finally, I think, which has always been a criticism of the show as well. So yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed these pay-per-view shows. I, my, my one criticism, and I talked about this on uh, Wrestle Central this past Sunday. Uh, I was listening. It was that I, I wish that they had leaned into pay-per-view presentation a little bit more. And not for mm. every match on the show, uh, but I wish that Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho had gotten a video package, sure. uh, you know, something to kind of summarize the feud. If you are leaning into this as a uh, free, big pay-per-view event that people can watch for free and you're trying to attract a new audience, you should be catching people up on your biggest story. Personally, I would have cut the entire big swole Britt Baker angle from that entire show and freed up time to give that match a a sizzle reel, a, a hype video, because, uh, you know, a, a pay-per-view would have had that. And if you want these things to be perceived as pay-per-views, you do need to step it up with your presentation just a little bit, I think. It was a good feud, too. Yeah, and it's not over, and I, I love it, you know? Though I do wonder uh, if we are building towards a match at All Out that would be Chris Jericho versus, I think it's Henry Cejudo? Is, am I saying Cejudo. Cejudo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, obviously that big Tyson thing is still kind of hanging like a sword over Jericho and who knows where it's going to go, what's going to come of that. But it does seem like Cejudo has had the offer to work with AEW and uh, have a big money match on pay-per-view is was what he was basically saying to uh, someone in the press earlier this week. How do you feel about that? Terribly. Henry Cejudo is an extremely cringy person. Yeah. Uh, he's an ultimate high achiever, a gold a gold medalist in the Olympics. Uh, I believe the youngest American gold medalist for American, not just for American wrestling, but that is what his gold medals in. I believe he's the youngest male gold medalist American. I think that's right. Um, and a UFC double champion, like an unbelievable, like a once in a generational kind of talent athletically. But his gimmick in MMA is that he's the king of cringe. And it, he, like, puts on that he's cringy, and it's just not good. It's it's legitimately bad. Um, all right. So I guess Jericho has that to look forward to at All Out. <laughs> well, and I just don't really understand because Jericho is not a huge dude, but, like, Henry Cejudo is a 125-pounder. Like, he's a small, small man. Like, I, I don't know what him versus Chris Jericho looks like at all, and Jericho will swallow him on promos. I just don't know... And I don't think Henry Cejudo brings a ton of sizzle. Like, are, you're you're a casual MMA fan, I would say, right? Yeah, like the sure. big stuff sort of yeah. sucks you in. Did, did you know? Do you have a familiarity with Henry Cejudo? I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about him. Which right. Um, I think that's like the tier he's in. He's like a C star for the. He doesn't headline pay per views. He's like a co main event, like that sort of guy. Now this isn't going to help necessarily with the uh, idea of just getting swallowed on promos against Chris Jericho. But what if sure. it's Tyson on the mic for him the entire time and Cejudo in the ring? I, I almost don't know what to say. That, to that. would be I even mean, worse. That, <laughs> well, at least Mike Tyson is famous, I guess I would say. So I guess it's better. <laughs> like people will be like, oh, that's Mike Tyson. No one knows who the fuck Henry Cejudo is. Yeah. Like they'll be like, who is this small guy who sucks at talking? Like at least like, but why would Mike Tyson be managing Henry Cejudo? Like, why do we need this? I have like, no I just, idea. But like, well, like if Cejudo, okay. Cejudo's claim this week was that he had a, an offer to sign with AEW and that they were building towards a big money pay-per-view match with him. 
I don't know what else that would be if not Jericho, right? Like, am I crazy? No, here? no. I think you're. I think you're right that that is the end. Like you said, he was with Tyson when they had that that pull apart. Like that has to be what it was. Uh, I just don't understand. Like, I don't. I think AEW and who knows? They they run metrics and analytics. Tony Khan. That's literally what he made his money off of, besides his father, I believe. Uh, so. Who am I to say? But I just don't see any, like, return on Henry Cejudo. Like, his only crossover with pro wrestling is that he had this Instagram video with the Bellas kissing him on the cheek, like, a year and a half ago. And that gave him that gave him the, the wrestling bug. Yeah, I, I guess. He got bit by I mean, the hey. Bellas, and now he can't get enough. He, uh, yeah, he's now he has to go have the worst program ever with Chris Jericho. <laughs> I love pro wrestling. Can't do it to do it at an extremely low level. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. But I, I thought AEW has had like a really good showing these three weeks, and I don't want to exit this discussion without pointing out my man Big Money Mox, because when they finally pulled the trigger on that world championship match uh, last night, they dusted NXT in the ratings. Like People were ready to see Big Mox defend that Dude, title. Dude, the demo comparison is insane. Do you know how many total viewers that NXT had in the key demographic this past week? I don't. Total viewers in the demo. Six thousand that's it how how many did did mox pull 70,000 or something like that like they crutched them that that's the mox effect baby uh, that's uh, uh can we talk a little bit about mox first case uh yes can i uh drop a little take on you that i think you're please. gonna disagree with here yeah please do uh I thought Fight for the Fallen was the worst of the three pay-per-view uh, dynamites uh, all in a row here. So from from what perspective? Like, as a whole show? Yeah, I think the big money matches that I was excited for, and I'm not saying that they were bad. I wasn't no, no. necessarily, like, let down in the way that let down sounds, but, like, I was so fired up for FTR Lucha Bros, and obviously they held back really sure. wanted to see Mox and Cage have a barn burner, and I didn't feel like either of those matches were what I wanted them to be, which isn't to say that they were bad, but yeah, like you said, I feel like both of the tag teams in particular held back on what could have been uh, a classic, you know, match of the year contender, which hopefully we get again another time, but you know, I couldn't help but feel just a little bit disappointed this week. So I do disagree with you, but only, but not only really half, because I do agree that if we're saying which shows had the best matches, I think Fight for the Fallen had the worst matches. Uh, it just left me with wanting to watch more AEW more than I think the other two shows did. Like, blowaway tag matches are something that I know I'm going to get, but angles are something that I'm super into. Like, and, and listen, man, I'm just a giant mox guy. Like, I liked that cage match a lot. I thought the ending was really, really smart. But again, like, towel throwing is, like, this huge topic in MMA right now because we're seeing some, like, all-time horrendous beatings where the towel isn't being thrown mm -hmm. in. And I genuinely think Mox follows MMA so closely that they decided to go that way to play Well, I would imagine that. Taz does as well, right? Absolutely. you got to remember like, this guy is coming off of a run where he hosted a sports talk radio show every day for, like, three years. Exactly. And this is like the hot topic in MMA right now. So I think that was a direct answer to that, which made me appreciate it more. And listen, man, I like Brian Cage's striking a fucking ton. Like, I don't think I knew that about myself. Like, between the Luchasaurus interaction in the, the Battle Royal and then the, the Mox match, like, Cage is a super good wrestling striker. I didn't really know, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess I just wanted more power spots i guess in this match sure and and like this was supposed to be kind of cage putting his stamp on AEW, right like uh sure th 
this build necessarily hasn't been great for him. It's been great for Taz, and I I know that that sounds uh, contradictory, I guess. But like, uh, no, 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 I don't think. To it does. me, I think Taz is such an incredible presence, and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday night. That when he goes and he cuts those lengthy promos where he's talking for three, four minutes straight, like when he debuted the FTW belt last week. Uh, I'm so glued to him. I find him so absorbing that I don't even remember Brian Cage is there. Which yeah, he's he's the best veteran manager talker, right? Better than Jacob. But I feel point. like he swallows Cage. Like like <laughs> do you know what a crazy thing it is for a man of Taz's stature to be so compelling that I don't notice Brian Cage of <laughs> all, all people. people. Like you know, I I don't I don't know that this pairing is as beneficial. For for Cage as if as it would be if he was just solo. I feel like he might shine a little bit more. Um, I'm open to that idea. I, I don't know that you're wrong there. I, and so, can I tell you the change I would have made? Yeah, sure. But I, I, that's just to say that like I wanted him to really have a strong showing here and really amaze people, and I don't know that that was the match that he had. Yeah, he doesn't feel like the top hoss in AEW yet, right? No. Like, like Wardlow, Luchasaurus, and him are all going to battle for that spot at some point. Uh, and I would also put, of course, Lance Archer in that mix as well. Oh, sorry, yeah, of course, Lance Archer, uh, well in that mix. Um, I think that they should have done the match exactly as they did. I liked Dean, or rather John, uh, realizing that he couldn't outstrength them, work the arm, work them on the outside. Like you got to wear down the big man. I, I like all that, but. I, I thought they did the, the FTW belt too early. I think that's how you rehab Brian Cage is you have him, you throw in this towel, and then you go, next Wednesday, you give Taz the mic on Dynamite, and he goes, what, I'm going to let Brian Cage, a, a million-dollar product here, take unnecessary damage in a, a warm-up match for him? This is his first match. Like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna have my prize pony take, you know, have he just came off a of bicep surgery, and that good-for-nothing John Moxley knows exactly that the cheapskate knows to go re-hurt the thing that just had surgery that's fine we're not we're not going to be re-injured we'll see him down the road i'm protecting my investment and guess what he's a champion in his own right i'm giving him a championship right now and that's when you give him the ftw belt and that's how you sort of re-announce him to AEW despite taking a loss well, i wonder if that was their original plan because it sort of seems like it might have been you know like i hadn't really thought about that yeah i guess that there's a chance of that right uh but but to the point that you're making about why he threw in the towel i didn't like the finish myself when it happened but i did think JR in particular did a great job of explaining why it was good. Uh, I actually thought JR was just kind of on fire on Wednesday. There were a ton of spots being called wrong, of course struggling to think of uh, a response now by Jericho, and uh, oh, it was the the armbar. Jericho kept calling at one point in American and at one point a key lock an armbar, and JR was just like Looks like a Kimura to me, Chris. <laughs> like, I kept correcting him, and I was just like, yeah, all right, JR, like, do your thing, man. I, I, I appreciate, you know, I like a move called in wrestling. And uh, JR, not normally the guy I go to for that, but uh, I was happy to see him doing the damn thing. I got to say, though, as we talk about commentary here, I thought Jericho was tremendous. In fact, oh, yeah. again, I thought Chris Jericho was the best thing on this show. Uh, the segment with the orange juice getting dumped on him was tremendously entertaining to me. <laughs> I liked that, too, but like by the end of the show when he was like, I still got orange juice on me. I, 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 loved, like, okay. <laughs> I loved that it was the last thing we heard as the show went off the air. <laughs> it was. I Jim no. Ross does the sign-off, and Jericho just goes, I'm covering orange juice! <laughs> Something to that yeah. effect. I loved it. Jericho was already obviously worth whatever they're paying him to AEW. Like, I almost think you can't 
you can't talk about AEW's initial success out the gate without talking about Chris Jericho. But I think in the empty arena era, he's proven to be even twice worth the money. Like that guy can fill space like almost no one else. For sure. Um, we were talking about the the ratings a little bit there, and of course Jericho talked about them publicly on the mic this week. Yeah, the as demo well. man, the demo god. Uh, oh yeah, the demo god. Uh, the shows combine roughly week to week to about a, a combined audience of like 1.4 million, which if you go back, Josh, is the exact same number that Dynamite itself put up on its debut episode uh, in, back in October huh. of last year. Is that concerning at all that like the numbers continue to slip or is that just we can't judge ratings trends because of covid and and people's lives just not being what they typically are yeah i really think it's got to be a lot of the latter but but i don't know that we're going to go back either so it, it may just be what the dialogue is now because i can only speak for myself I, I don't know about you or our listeners but like just my consumption has gone down like i listen to less podcasts i listen to less music like my video game playing is at an all-time high but like there's watching things like be, I guess it's really this is the thought being away from sports so long has like unconditioned me like gotta watch things live mm-hmm. as much and not doing the shows as well so it's just like on the PVR watching I think that might just be and I don't think that's going away like I think people are more comfortable with streaming services and, and things of that yeah. nature like I think that might just be the new world like on, live ratings probably just don't mean as much as we should read into them and I'm not trying to defend NXT here especially but like I don't feel like they're equivalents. Like, I don't feel like the Wednesday Night Wars are a complete true thing. Like, I still watch NXT on the network, and everyone I know does. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a choice in Canada, really. True, true, true. It's not like we get I, I'm the I'm just option. saying, like, live TV ratings and demos are definitely worth something. They're definitely worth a lot. But companies seem to be putting more value in social media metrics and, like, what's sort of taking over the zeitgeist and i can understand why that probably does seem like a bit more of a real reading if i'm being yeah and honestly the people and i guess it's largely wwe fanboys who are like oh we won the overall number and nobody ever talked about the demo back in the attitude era demo doesn't mean anything i work in sports radio let me tell you the demo means everything (laughs) this is not a fake thing that AEW fans have cooked up this is how we sell ads and how we make money and how we stay afloat so yes it is extremely important the demo is more important than the overall number that is true i also just like i just don't know who the geeks are who just like feel like this like their identity is so tied to one brand or the other to like defend the ratings based on demos like i don't know anything about that shit and i don't care either like i cheer for genuinely both of these companies to succeed because i want better wrestling and i want more wrestling but in terms of like I don't cheer for one company to win or lose, and I don't even think we have the metrics to know who won or lost besides like these demo and rating discussions that are in flux week to week. And frankly, I don't think that like how good the show was has much to do with the ratings. Like I think how good the yeah. show was or have been have more to do with the ratings going forward. Yeah, exactly. That's what's so infuriating about Paul Heyman getting let go is like we never got to see the fruits of his labor. You know, that takes time. You need to uh, effectively um, kind of, you know, uh, rehabilitate your image at large with people that you've lost. And that takes time, you know? Like, I, I made this case on Wrestle Central and I, possibly in the group chat as well uh, that, like, you know, look at blockbuster movies. The best movie in a franchise is never the one that did the best at the box office. Of course, no. The one that did the best at the box office is always the one that came 
after the yeah. best movie in the series because it has so much goodwill. And often it completely blows that goodwill. And then the next movie that comes out is really good, but does very badly because <laughs> the previous movie was bad. That Like you need to wait a generational wave to feel the market effects of anything that you're doing. And Paul Heyman did not get that benefit. It's extremely disappointing to me. JMO, there are uh, two two pay per views coming up this weekend. Is there anything else you want to talk, talk to on the shows before we transition over to there? Yeah, I, I do, I do. Please. I do want to talk more about John Moxley because obviously him missing these shows for COVID the last couple of weeks before coming back, not his fault at all. Nothing you can do about that. But do you think there is anything to the fact, Josh, that he just kind of feels disconnected from everything? Like it, he feels like he's in his own corner of AEW at times, whereas I feel like the show overall largely has everybody else kind of bumping into each other if that makes sense uh yeah so i fully agree that that is a thing i only disagree that it's a bad thing i I think john moxley is a lone wolf i think that is built into his character i think that the champion feeling like something you have to like get to is worth something the only criticism i have of, of mox is that he doesn't have like that final boss thing in the way that maybe like i want my top guy champ to do jericho weirdly did have it yeah and i'd like to see mox have a bit more of that um but no i he is isolated but i i don't see it as an issue no because the rest of the show is so bleeding into one another i don't mind like lone wolf john moxley find him if you want a shot to be like part of his gimmick and the promos have just been terrific. I thought the one that uh, they played on Tuesday night during Dark, uh, I only caught it on their Instagram after the fact. I don't watch Dark every week, but I was like, man, I am full. I, I was already sold on the match, obviously. I already wanted to see it. But uh, a, a good promo before a big match can do a lot. And John Moxley is never kind of misses. the king of that. Oh, yeah. He, never he, misses. He, he comes across as one of these guys where it's like you talk about like those bullet point guys and how everybody isn't built for that. Like you get the sense Mox is that guy. Like if you give him three bullet points in three minutes, he's going to give you something compelling. Um, one more thing before we wrap up. And as we're talking about, you know, rehabilitating people's images and so on, etc., and building guys up on the show. Speaking of people who have been off the show through no fault of their own, let's talk about the finish of Fight for the Fallen. Yes, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, which involved the re-debut of Darby Allen coming out to make the save on John Moxley. And uh, this is something that we've seen before. Mox and Darby working together against the inner circle. Yeah. I got to say, I felt really, really hot about it when it was against Jericho in the inner circle. Him coming back to score revenge on Brian Cage didn't really do a lot for me, Josh. And I'm wondering if I'm alone on that. No, I'm sadly in the exact same camp as you. I, I didn't know that Darby Allen was like a lights out guy, you know, uh, when when you put the lights fully out. I'm, I'm expecting like, oh, whoa, who is this? Yeah. And then when it's Darby Allen, I'm like. Oh, yeah, I guess he has been away. <laughs> like, and and he didn't... was a lights-out guy before, too. Like, when they did the angle where he came out to make the save against the Inner Circle, that was a lights-out moment as well. And it was hot. To me, there that was something about that that had a lot of sizzle. I was super into Darby at that time. We got that Darby-Sammy match that everybody loved. Uh, it's just, you know, you do the same thing twice. And also, he just doesn't feel anywhere near as over right now as he did in that moment. Yeah, it's too bad because, like, I don't think... I'm speaking out of school here, like we both think really highly of Darby Allen and have seen him perform live multiple times where he was outstanding. 
and has a super high ceiling, and I love to watch him. But he did feel like he was having a moment uh, maybe two months ago, like with some real wind behind him. But some guys, it's just some guys need the crowd. We're learning that. Like I, Orange Cassidy, I feel like is floundering without the crowd, quite fl- frankly. Like really, because I absolutely. disagree, man. I disagree. I was so impressed with that match against Jericho last week. In just I liked it, but, a, but I didn't a, like it as an Orange Cassidy match. A storytelling and psychology standpoint, I'd never seen that kind of stuff from Orange Cassidy before. He really, really impressed me a lot. And I fully agree that it would benefit a ton of from course. having I a crowd. Yeah. Um, but like, I still managed to be impressed by him in a way that I hadn't seen that from him before. Um, and I took a lot out of that match, actually. I really, really enjoyed that one a ton. You know where I would have liked to have seen Darby Allen? Where? Beating Cody for the the TNT Championship. In the final of, of that at the last pay-per-view? Or even just as one of these open challenges. Like, uh, that would have been a nice spot to return. because Yeah, it's a surprise comeback on an open challenge. That's prob- that is probably a better spot. You're right. Well, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to just make, like, oh, here I am dumping on Cody again. And I love the, the open challenge weekly on the show. I just don't think he's, like, the in-ring artisan that benefits the most from those open challenges. Whereas I think somebody like Darby Allen every week getting 15 minutes on TV would do a, the world to get this guy over. Yeah, uh, I'm. I don't know that I would want to pull the trigger on taking the belt off of Cody right now, though. Like, I, I do want to see this through this like uh, long-term heel thing that they're doing. Though, do you worry that there's not going to be any baby faces left in this company yeah, with who, what they're they, doing with Cody and Kenny right now? Uh, uh, it's I just know. Gonna be Darby, and that's it. They got to split up the the Lucha Brothers, I feel like. And then turn them both babyface? Yeah, or at least one of them. Like, I feel like a top Luchador babyface is something that their company weirdly doesn't have. And I think, I know the natural there is like Ray Phoenix, but like, I know I could certainly get behind a babyface Pentagon run, like, without question. Absolutely. Who do you think is the better of those two guys? Uh, I think I think basically the same as every. They kind of remind me of the Hardys, I guess, where it's like I think Penta's a better character guy and uh, and Ray's the better pure in ring worker. To me, it's like depends on the day. You know? like, yeah, they they neither of them look like they were especially <laughs> working all too hard against FTR. If I'm being honest, but like, also like those two guys are two of the best singles wrestlers in the world never mind uh, tag wrestlers as well right yeah i mean i guess i guess maybe i like i think pentagon's better in the way that there are luchadors who do ray phoenix's style of move set whereas pentagon seems sort of singular in like a more strength-based luchador yeah i definitely felt like it was an event to see penta wrestle live in a way that i did not feel that seeing phoenix yeah was. yeah i agree with that i've seen them both wrestle as singles too and agree with that um, but yeah, I think that, uh, I would, I, they need baby faces badly. As soon as Cody's ripping off the turnbuckle, trying to get Sonny Kiss's face into like the bare turnbuckle, I'm like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna get, uh, actually, I guess Darby Allen returning helps them in that uh, capacity well, as you'll, well. You'll probably break up Kenny and Hangman when that turn happens, and then Hangman is a solo singles baby face as well, right? Hangman could actually fill that Cody space of baby face. I don't know if he'd be as over as Cody, but he'd be in I, the vicinity dude, of that. Maybe not as over as Cody was when the company launched, but he'd be more over than Cody right now. Oh, sorry, I agree. I just mean like top babyface Cody, AEW goodwill ambassador Cody. Yeah, yeah like yeah, the yeah. most over babyface in the country, <laughs> Cody. Yes, 
one more thing before we move on from yeah. uh, Fight for the Fallen, and that is uh, the native beast Nyla Rose oh, yeah, gets yeah, yeah, herself yeah. a manager teased after a very fun squash match on night two of uh, Fighter Fest, and then debuted on Fight for the Fallen, and it is somebody that nobody guessed when we were going over uh, the possibilities of who this could be. Well, I think that's because does, I think everybody thought the same thing as I did. Didn't Vicky have some sort of like legacy deal with WWE? Am no. I just mistaken about that? Because here's the reason why I'm actually very happy about this. Sure. I don't, you know, I don't know how good this is going to go as a storyline or how well Vicky's going to deliver as an on-screen character at this stage in her life. But I am happy for her that she has got a job that's going to pay yeah. her because she got blacklisted by WWE last year after going on the Jericho cruise. She took what? her podcast on the Jera Cruise, and WWE effectively just shunned her for doing that. And she talked Whoa. about it, I think, on her own podcast or with Jericho or something like that, and said that, like, you know, what do you expect? You haven't even called me in years. Like, I got to eat. I got to put food on my table. I'm not just beholden to you forever if you're not giving wow. me anything. I was always under the assumption that it was, like, a portion of Eddie's merch would always go to her and, like, shit like that. I mean, maybe that is true, but, uh, yeah, they definitely, after she did that uh, podcast appearance and went on the boat, they they really did not want anything to do with her. So, you can say the Wednesday Night Wars aren't necessarily real. Uh, WWE certainly thinks they are, even if they aren't. Uh, what do you think of her with with Nyla? I don't think Nyla's a bad talker, but then that's always your thing is that you want to see two people who can talk go back and forth, right? Yeah, I, I think it's great. So, uh, yeah. But I mean, this pairing, I don't know. But but in general, I think it's great. Yeah, it's, I mean. Their energies feel very different. Not in a way that, like, that doesn't work. Sometimes that could work. I didn't get the sense on Wednesday that I was like, oh, this is uh, part of the pun, but like a dynamite combination. Yeah, well, they're both very good heels, but in completely different ways, right? Yeah, like, I feel like uh, Vicky suits like a shithead heel more than like a powerhouse bruiser heel. And, and but, Nyla's but, a good promo. But Nyla can be that shithead in promos. Like, I thought she was just so fun when she was kind of just like toying with uh, her opponent, which I think was Sheeta at the time, or even Riho back in the day. Like, uh, Like, when she just like you know, does something evil and then cracks a one-liner direct to camera. Like, that's true, yeah. It can be very, very good. Like, I, that's probably the most I enjoy Nyla Rose. And I actually do think that Vicky does sort of suit that energy a little bit. Yeah, so you might be right. If we it's get... definitely a wait-and-see thing for me. I, like, is it becoming, like, a bit of a, not a joke, but, like, I mean, do, does literally everybody they're going to push going to have, like, a veteran manager? <laughs> I mean, who knows? We're, we're like, gonna... I'm not even trying to, like, I know it's like a tease AEW thing at this point, but, like, Nyla mentioned it in her promo. That <laughs> everybody's like... got one, so I better get one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's a little weird, if I'm being honest. I like Taz, obviously, but I, I do feel like there's just, like, a lot of old wrestlers hanging Jake around is, AEW Jake right does now. it fantastic, too. Like, I, I think Jake and Taz are, like, tremendous. I agree, but Jake's had two bad ones for me. Uh, promos? Yeah. Yeah, there were like a couple that have felt not as so great. But when especially when uh they were kind of debuting Lance in general and having yes. him cut promos direct on Cody, I thought they were for the most part like really, really strong. Um the initial stuff with uh Jake and Lance is untouchable and like, for the record. I am really into Lance Archer for whatever reason. 
Uh, you know, I thought the beatdown 11-minute squash match that he had with Joey Janela was super fun. Yeah, I thought that was good, too. I, mean, I, I don't hate Lance Archer. I, I just don't know. I've said this before. I just don't know that he's the guy I'm pushing, like, so old with such, like, a ceiling that we know. Yeah, but, like, am I into Lance Archer if he doesn't have Jake the Snake with him? The answer is probably no. no. Well, what if he's wrestling Mox? <laughs> I mean, probably still yes, then. I don't know. I don't know. But I do, I, like, I think Jake has added a lot, is what I'm saying. I totally and, and agree to, with that. And to answer, and we've, we've talked about this before when we talked about Lance a couple months ago. Like, I don't care that he's 43 years old. You can't always make every decision with an eye to the future. Sometimes no, what a guy can give too. you that right is now is, like, tremendously important. But imagine Jake with Darby instead is all I'm really saying. Oh, yeah, you're probably right about that. I don't know why I keep saying that, like Darby's my only example for anything now. Here's, yeah, what would you, how would you book New Japan, Josh? I'm thinking Okada Allen is the big money. That's, uh, uh, J-Mo, there are two big pay-per-views this weekend. We don't have time to go match to match to any of them. I'm just curious your your sort of interest level in Slammiversary and Extreme Rules. Uh, Slammiversary, I probably have higher interest in than any Impact show uh, in the last couple of years since you and I were reviewing Impact shows on this show. Yeah, I feel like we sort of have like this weird relationship with Slammiversary even more than Bound for Glory. You probably know exactly what I mean when I say that. Yeah, oh yeah. I feel like it's been a, a tradition for you and I to watch it. I don't know that we did last year, but certainly the two I've previous watched it, to but that. the card sucks. Um, but, I, you know, certainly when Austin Aries and the Lucha Brothers were kind of at the top of the card in Impact, I feel like you and I were watching pretty well every pay-per-view. Yeah, we definitely, what was there, was like Resolution or Revolution? Rebellion yeah. and... Rebellion, um, yeah. Uh, there were a couple, but yeah. Yeah, we were keeping up with the TNA pay-per-views, and I'm actually like pretty excited for, for Slammiversary this weekend. Definitely more than I am for Extreme Rules, which seems weird as hell. Well, you know, this is how they've sold it from the very beginning, right? Like, the, the entire hook for interest in this show is which of the fired WWE guys are going to show up. Who is the mystery competitor in this main event for the vacant Impact World title, you know? like um, Yeah. And listen, that's almost and listen. Eddie Edwards is there, who who I think everybody has a reasonably high opinion of, and uh, the Max on the card. Uh, there's the tag match I'm looking forward to. Uh, I think Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan are against the North, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, on it, that is correct. Yeah, there's there's stuff on it that I'm I'm interested to watch. And you know, uh, Rusev having COVID probably doesn't help your interest if you were did you think he was showing up see see him there i mean they did show a bulgarian flag in their teaser video so it was possible yeah they they showed a lot yeah they basically showed everybody who got let go yeah like i don't think all of those people were ever going to be on this impact he slater probably is though and do you think he has hurt himself getting uh kind of worked in a squash on on a final raw appearance basically uh before he goes and debuts in a new company not even a little i think if you have him stand beside rhino for a second i don't think people remember how hot that act was at the beginning of brand split oh but i remember yeah pepperidge farm and justin madman morris yeah. i remember you and i uh, are very very fond of early brand split smackdown Dude, it was, what are you going to say? It was such a good wrestling show. It really was. It was the best. Here's AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and John Cena Cena as your title program. We're going to intro Bray Wyatt a little later, and and we're going to have like this super hot re-debuting Usos, and Daniel Bryan's going to be anchoring the whole thing on Talking Smack, pushing everything forward. It was awesome, okay? Yeah, no, I fully agree. (laughs) 
but Rhino and Slater were putting on like good matches and were super over. And I know that TNA at this point is just sort of like the house of echoes of echoes. But I'll be pumped to see those guys stand beside each other and, and work a match. There's no doubt about it for me. And yeah, dude, I don't think WWE milked that act for all that it was worth. Like there is still juice to be squeezed from that fruit, you know? Like uh and them in particular are a good pairing. Rhino comes across as like sort of aloof and doofy and tough and nice, and Slater comes across as like sort of in on the joke and savvy, but not the physical force. I just think they have a lot going for them. And Slater is an underrated worker, and Rhino can still do the three spots he's always done. So what are we talking about here? And Slater looks great. Slater looks jacked as hell. He looks incredible. D- did you see the picture of the the glow ups of uh, the three MB members all beside each other? No, I did not, but I I can fully picture what it looks like. It's weird to think about, but like Jinder McIntyre and Slater have all undergone like huge jacked up guy. Uh, obviously, Slater not to the degree as the two others. No, he came back as a hunk, man. Like yeah, dude, he looked great on Raw uh, last week. But you know, you know, I I will say as I look back on kind of. Uh, wrestling over the last several years, if we go all the way back to that brand split originally, dude, I th- I think Heath Slater might be responsible for some of the hottest hot tags I've seen in tag wrestling in the last five years. Is that crazy to say? My memory is so bad that I can't like instantly back you up and like call out a great example, but I have no trouble believing that. Not whatsoever. even in just like two on two tag matches with Rhino, but like you, there was a time where they would constantly have uh, eight man tags on SmackDown, and it would just be like the two babyface teams against the main heel team, and let's throw in the Ascension because that's all we <laughs> right. got. Yeah, we uh, have the Ascension, and, and it would be like Heath Slater tagging in to just dummy like the Usos and. <laughs> the ascension or whatever and it was great it was yeah. so good i uh i have all the time in the world for for those two and i hope to to see them on saturday and uh, you know we're probably gonna see the good brothers as well yeah yeah that's true yeah so many re- i guess that is sort of my interest in the show is just seeing what's there the, the sad reality at this point man is like i almost wish impact would just die and start under a new name with the exact same roster like People would get into this. Like, people, not to the level of AEW, but I think Ring of Honor is going to have a year like this in 2021 with some of the signings they're getting. Like, and I think Impact should be on that rising tide, but ugh, I just think the name is too, too poisoned. Well, they're not helping themselves with all these old farts that they're bringing in either, right? Like, no. you know, the fact that it's Impact Wrestling and it has that brand association, but also you're tuning in, you're going to see Ken Shamrock and Rob Van Dam and Rhino. Like, uh, I mean, I like Tommy uh, Dreamer. I like those guys, but it's also 2020. You know, like, no, it's you're you're absolutely right about that. Like, well, at least, Rhino, I would hold a little separate from the other guys you named because he can still work at like a reasonably high. Like he works for a tag match. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, but those other guys, like like what is Tommy Dreamer doing on a pay per view card in 2020? Like, explain it to me. Um, but yeah, I think the, my entire interest in this show is just. You know, wanting to feel happy about seeing guys land on their feet. And that's kind of all there is to it. But that is still a very compelling hook. And they do have me. I am going to watch the show. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to be watching uh, Saturday night. But I will. it's definitely a Sunday watch. And uh, if anybody else is watching, uh, over on the Patreon, I will be doing a review of Slammiversary as well. Uh-huh. Patreon.com slash J0SHC. Are you going to be covering it on Central? I sure will. Well, there we go. So, so, so double coverage 
of uh, Slammiversary on Sunday from the Good Friends. How about for Extreme Rules, Madman? Any any uh, draw there? Well, like I said, I've skipped most of the builds to this right. review because I just couldn't stomach watching the television, which in some ways is a good thing because I didn't have to watch that wretched karaoke battle on SmackDown last week. <laughs> um, but in other ways, like I'm sure I've missed some some good stuff. Uh, I just you know I have it all in my PVR, but watching four yeah. episodes of Raw in a row feels like a huge ask. Well, I mean, it, it's 12 hours of programming. <laughs> it literally it could not be a bigger ask. Um, they've done like some interesting things with, with uh, Bray. Like He's back to Swamp Bray for this, yes. like, though, the Wyatt family. Yeah, that I going... have been keeping up with just via the YouTube. That I have. Yeah, I, I think that's like, in this era, if you're going to be stretching stuff like that, Bray works, and if you have to have Braun have matches, like, I think... I think I, I just think that it's interesting. Like they have enough history in this realm. It's something WWE can execute on that other companies can't. Like remember this? And it's like holy shit, that was super meaningful and five years ago. So yeah, let's let's see it. And I'm interested in it. Uh, I I guess like some sort of sicko part of me is interested in like seeing how the CGI eye works for Mysterio Rollins. I hate this. I, yeah, I mean it's this is not helping me want to tune in on Sunday and I'm going to watch it cuz I have to review it on the radio afterwards <laughs> but it's like yeah. I you know part of this it feels like they've made a cinematic stipulation sort of for every single match on the card. I don't know what the stip is for Dolph versus uh Drew but so they haven't announced yet. They've only said that there is going to be a stip. Uh, I think it might get announced. It'll probably get announced before, I guess, if they didn't do it on Raw. But it is going to be a stip match. Yeah, I'm surprised that it didn't get announced on Raw. I don't think Asuka and Sasha have a, a stip. Well, I that might be my not. most anticipated match on the card. Yeah, same. But like, doesn't it feel, Josh, and I feel like we've talked about this with pretty well every single pay-per-view that you and I have talked about during the COVID era, doesn't it feel like they're just taunting us with these stupid subtitles? It, oh, it, it's yeah. Like the, what's this one? Horror the horror show? show at Extreme Rules. They're just fl- like <sighs> waving it, flaunting it in our face that these shows are dangerous and have a reckless abandon for human <laughs> life and the WWE couldn't give a shit if anyone uh. dies of COVID-19. Then we had the risk is worth the reward. We had uh, we have the horror show now. The horror and show, what was the, yeah. What was the other one? Uh, the greatest wrestling match ever at Backlash. I was going to say the, the greatest wrestling match, which it was, as we all know. <laughs> yes, of course. We're, we're very familiar with how great it was. Jamo, this is not to do with either of these pay-per-views, and i got to get going soon, so this is more just me wrapping up. Yep. But but I wanted to, to ask you, and this is not, not connected to anything, but did you see who Kevin Owens said this week he thought the greatest wrestler of all time was? Uh, no, I did not. Was it Rey Mysterio? It warmed my heart, and I would encourage anybody to look up the clip because it was Rey Mysterio, and uh, it was just really like good shit from the a guy we already love uh, in Mr. Kevin Owens, uh, explaining his his love for Rey Mysterio and really just like his respect for Rey Mysterio. And how much it I just meant, thought it was really nice. How much it meant for him to uh, tag with him on Monday night this week? Well, and not only tag with him, but like he said, Rey was like just like. Like he was like I was marking out and like Ray was humble and like open to my ideas and was like asking me things like just just really cool stuff and sort of dovetailing in I don't know if you saw uh, this week Dave Meltzer said that he thought uh, Ray Mysterio was easily the most influential wrestler of his generation which I thought just just a nice week to hear nice people say things about Ray Mysterio yeah I I kind of liked R J City's answer to that question at least I think it was R J yeah. who said this uh, saying Zack Ryder yeah Zack Ryder is the most influential and the people that he's influenced won't even know that he did yeah. Uh, I, I I mean, I don't think Zack Ryder is the most influential wrestler of his generation, but he's top three, and there's no way you could get around that. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's crazy to think about. Um, it, it is, but, like, dude, 
again, talk about people forgetting about Heath and Rhino's overness. Like, the two most forgotten over people of all time are Ryback and Ryder. Like, Ryder was in Madison Square Garden, the, or wasn't. The Rock was giving a promo, and people were chanting, we want Ryder over The Rock. Wow. Like, that was happening. Like, he was just getting... Yeah, like, that's, uh, that's right before I come back, so I have really no exposure oh, to okay. that era. But I know Dude, that it should... happened. Like, I, I, I've seen a lot of clips of it. Dude, Z Hollywood Story was like... There wasn't anything like it before. And it's also a perfect example, not this is influence, but a perfect example of WWE getting their hands on something and just having, like, utterly botching it and having no clue what was good about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like talking smack versus raw talk. It's like, what the fuck? Like, you guys watched the other one and this is what you thought was the good version of it? Like, just just baffling. But no, I, I agree with that. Uh, I don't know if it was RJ City, actually, but but yeah, I did see that. And uh, yeah, I don't think you can get away from Zack Ryder being, uh, in terms of the, the social Housen. media YouTube sphere, the, the, he was the, I mean, you could sort of lend Colt Cabana maybe a little bit of that credit as well for the art of wrestling, mm-hmm. but but those two guys just changed the game on that front. Uh, before we wrap up, final thoughts on the Extreme Rules preview. Do you feel like they're over-leaning in uh, or over-relying on cinematic matches if we kind of get the impression that most of the matches on this show might lean that way, especially when you've got uh, uh, Sheamus and Hardy in a bar brawl, this eye for an eye right. match, which is said to conclude with a eyeball dangling out of somebody's socket through CGI. Like, to, uh, Josh, before I let you answer my own question, <laughs> I am going to say, and this was my problem even when Mox was doing this with uh, Santana and Ortiz earlier in the year. This is what I hated about the uh, initial... Seth and Ray angle. When you injure someone's eye, to me that goes beyond the realm of professional wrestling because that is not an injury that you can recover from. Your eye does not grow back. If I get stabbed in the eye, I will be blind forever. No, I I'm pretty sure that's so. Not like, true. I really fucking hate all these <laughs> angles where it's like, oh, the uh, most visceral reaction you can have is to see somebody get sliced in the eye because you imagine it happening to yourself and it's really uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, but it's also completely unrealistic and crazy, <laughs> and it takes me out of the world of pro wrestling. So I fucking hate well, it to begin with. But are they over relying on cinematic matches as well? Is my question. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll respond to both, which is uh, first of all, you have to keep in mind that I'm a hypocrite, so. I like it when Mox does it, but I don't do it like it when Rollins does it, for starters. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but that's just because I think Mox looks cool in an eye patch. <laughs> um, uh, and in terms, yeah, I-, I think one cinematic match per pay per view is too much. Like, uh, yeah, I think they're they're way overdoing it. I think that it's just again, I talked about a Z Hollywood story moments ago. It's just the most WWE shit ever. It's like they hit uh, some success with the Boneyard match. Uh, and the the Firefly match, in my opinion, I know some people uh, mileage varies on that one. And then what was the one right after? They had an okay one before Money in the Bank, didn't they? Uh, the one right after would have been the Money in the Bank match itself. Was that okay? So so, uh, but no, I I don't think they've all been good. I think it's just very WWE. They're like, oh, people like this, no problem. I mean, Let's have a hundred of the NXT them. ones have all been bad. I totally agree there. Actually, I think I liked the 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 Cole Dream car fight a little bit more than some people, but just because like it actually looked like a movie in some ways, like it looked like a fight oh, scene wow. in a way. Bold take What's to that? like something that Velveteen Dream yeah, did guess, in 2020. I guess that's true. Now I'm canceled again. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but 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 in I I purely mean just like in the way it was shot, it was different. Yeah. Like now I feel like they're just like it's like oh people want like schlocky and hammy ones of this, and it's like guys, we want like a dose of it. Like 
B movies aren't good because all movies are B movies. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. That's and, the and best so, analogy. Wow. Thanks. Wow. But, this but is I why thought, he's uh, an analyst, folks. This is why you pay him the big bucks at <laughs> patreon.com slash J0SHC. Yeah, that's right. That's that's why. Uh, but but it's just like at least that one didn't feel like it was trying to take that tone, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Whereas all the other ones are like, huh? Huh? This is pretty funny, eh? And it's like, okay, guys. It's like, okay. Well, so, yes, I think they're leaning into it way too hard. And I bet you if you ask me that question on Monday morning, I'll have an even stronger answer. Uh, Josh, uh, I know that we have to wrap up because you have to go, and I don't mean to throw you a live grenade before we do that. But having just no, that's okay. referenced Velveteen Dream, obviously you and I have not been doing shows since the entire right, Speaking right, right. Out thing went down. I covered it in depth for weeks at a time on Wrestle Central. And if you haven't that heard it, fun. folks, I do recommend that you go back in my archives, go to sportsnet.ca slash 650 and find Wrestle Central under the shows tab listen to my interview with emily pratt of fan fight talking about her experiences working for brandon stroud at with spandex she was incredibly candid it was a very difficult conversation so i do recommend you go check that out but uh you know you and i haven't talked about it together on this platform and and, you know it did hit close to home it did rock our local indie eccw is never going to be the same after this and you know we got a lot of friends in that company how do you feel uh you know a couple weeks removed from it now uh yeah sure so about speaking out on whole uh i guess i feel sort of about it how i feel me too which is like it sucks to go through but like the flushing of scum like like you said we we have friends who are in that sphere and the more spots that are opened up because scumbags leave vacancies i feel like that's a net positive uh but it makes it definitely makes you feel um worn down sometimes taking in like you're like I'm supporting something that is kind of like rotten from the bottom to the top in a lot of ways. And you you know that in a, in a way yeah. when you become a fan of the business because you know it's a carny industry and that these guys are probably scummy on some level. We were making jokes about AJ Styles' character earlier <laughs> right, in the show. Yeah. I still love watching AJ Styles wrestle, uh, but like I feel like you know what we heard about is another level of scumminess and obviously a lot of it is criminal so that right. uh is part of it too but you know well, and that's also it, it, what's so, so hard about speaking of it because it, it's it's so rampant and there's so much that it's basically you, you want to be nuanced about it and it's hard to comment in in broad strokes because the the things that women have been going through in wrestling are are just it's a list that's never ending it's a, it's a well that if you threw the rock down you'd hit the bottom of the earth you know it, so it, it's i just find it like a specific situation maybe i could speak to but it's it's just there's so much you know the thing for me is that it is you know it was such a surprise and such a gutting process to learn that you know people that i've had long sit down interviews with people that i've welcomed onto my airwaves you know somebody in the local scene that i thought was uh you know a friend on some level turns out to be a creep that is a gutting thing to go through that comes as a a surprise but when i think back on my experiences with wrestling culture as a whole over the last decade i shouldn't be surprised at all like you know i should think about all those shows that I've gone to out in the valley where the audience is just full of creeps and I feel insanely guilty for having brought a woman to this thing, you know? Like, it it shouldn't be a surprise, and yet it is. You know, I guess I just, I I sort of, I'm halfway there with you, where it's like, I guess I knew to a certain level, it's like, yeah, they're, like almost in a joking way, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a really scummy industry, there's a lot of bad stuff, but, but man, I mean, you see some of these stories, it's like, we're not talking about, like, bad stuff, we're talking about, like, evil people. Evil Mm -hmm gross 
oh, abusers. Joey Ryan should be in prison. <laughs> like, so, so, you know, did I feel sad, you know, something happened to ECCW? It's like, for sure. But, like, it's like so many people had, like, actual horrible things happen to them. Yeah. And it's like... I think that Vancouver wrestling is going to be fine. Uh, I think that, in fact, it might even emerge better with the, you see the Lionsgate Dojo emerging right now, led by uh, Artemis Spencer and Nicole Matthews. And, and uh, you know, there's there's reason for optimism. But yeah, man. Billy and Tony and Cat as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Billy Swade as well. Like, there's just, you know, there's, there's, re- there's lots of, it's important to folks that there are lots of good people in this industry. So the quicker we yes. can just get rid of these, these know nothing stuck in, you know, 60 years ago and are, I mean, it's hard to find words about it. Like fucking abusers, like, like yeah. worse people than, and that's, what's so tricky again about these things. Like they're so broad scale. Like there are people who are bad, but there are people who are capital E evil. Like people you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you'd spit on if you saw them, you know? And, and so it's just, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was fulfilling. <laughs> it's such a hard thing to surmise. No, no. I, I, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that there are still so many good people doing such great work because that is important to focus on. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, because I feel like that on some level that's like, well, hashtag not all wrestlers. No, I know. It's... But also, like, when you read the severity of what went on and what had been exposed by speaking out, it is hard not to feel like the industry is just rotten to its core. And yeah. you do need to remember that it's not. Well, and uh, That there are still a lot of good people doing a lot of good things. Well, and it it is poison, but the way to get the poison out is this blowing up to some degree. And and mm-hmm. again, I don't think any of us thought Joey Ryan was just to speak to that one in particular, like a deviant to that level. And maybe we should have to to some degree. But yeah, ultimately, when you look at the gimmick retrospectively. It's like, well, <laughs> well, a lot of things make sense. Here. Yeah, there's a lot of jokes about like, oh, the guy forcing me to grab his dick was it good? It's like, yeah, what can I do besides shrug? You know, so. The- the guy who uh, was running a cancel culture gimmick got canceled by cancel culture. My God, I didn't even know about that TNA gimmick. <laughs> hearing about that after, just just absurd. Yeah, that's like the right to censor in 2020, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. But but ultimately, I the I guess the thing to say is thank you to the women who were willing to make their lives utter hell to come out and and make these things clear and known, and and we're appreciative to them, and hopefully the the industry can be better for it in the future. But yeah, sad sad couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, um, you want to see uh, evil men kind of uh, rooted out and driven from the industry, if possible. Absolutely, and that includes uh, you know, and that includes evil himself over there in New Japan. It, exactly, <laughs> wag of the finger at New Japan for rewarding evil. <laughs> yeah, read the room, New time. Japan. Bad yeah. luck, New Japan. You're canceled, buddy. Why are you are canceled? Oh, uh, man, man, happy birthday. I got to go hit the damn road here. Um, uh, thanks. I'm glad you made the evil joke there. I was leaning yeah. into it, and then I was like, maybe this is offensive if I segue yeah, into was. the I line here. I definitely, it crossed my mind where it's like, oh, now I'm making light of it. But sometimes, you're, <laughs> what am I going to do? You're just going to fuck up on air sometimes. No, that's our chemistry, man. That's why we're the hashtag good friends. You saw where I was going. You just went there. I couldn't instead. help I myself. But, that. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I guess if that counts as uh, my thoughts on it. Those are my thoughts on it. Well, let's wrap up here, bud. People can still find you over at the Wrestling Brain at yeah. patreon.com slash J0SHC. Probably not putting out as many shows as you were during uh, New Japan Cup season. But yeah, no, you're not getting it worth people's while, I would imagine. Yeah, not three or four a week and destroying my sleep schedule anymore. <laughs> but uh, but I love doing it, man. Uh, there'll be Slammiversary 
review this week. Uh, there's a 10 times WWE got it right coming out next Tuesday. The 10 best title changes in WWE history. Uh, wow. UFC preview for next Saturday. There's still stuff popping up there. And then, yeah, there's a New Japan card in a couple weeks. Senguko Lord with uh, Time Bomb versus Evil at the top of it. So previews and reviews for that as well. How about you? On, you're on Central this Sunday, JMO. What are you going to be talking about over there? Yeah, big post-pay-per-view wrap-up show this Sunday night, of course, talking about the horror show at Extreme Rules, which really is shaping up to be a literal horror show. <laughs> and uh, probably going to talk a little Slamversary as well, maybe some extra stray thoughts on New Japan from last week and obviously uh, the evil Hiromu direction that we got this week yeah. uh, in the Fallout since. For both so, belts. Yeah, that is uh, the show for this Sunday, Josh. And uh, who knows when you and I will be back doing this together again. But, you know what, I do want to say, uh, you have been talking about doing, um, you know, kind of these wrestling documentaries and deep dives into key feuds of the past and that sort of thing, so on, etc. And just didn't didn't know what the venue for that would be. You've probably been talking to me about that for like two years now. So <laughs> that's about my... <laughs> actually out there doing the damn thing, I know it comes at a hard time for you personally uh which is why you have the time to do it so it's probably a double-edged sword but i i, I do feel proud of my boy i appreciate uh, that a great deal man and uh you'll have to get thing. you on talking about something behind there uh, soon oh, oh hell yeah i would love to do it uh but yeah that's uh it's nice to, to have something to <laughs> fill the time for sure <laughs> in the meantime pepperoni, pepperoni sticks, sticks say yeah, yeah. okay Give me, give me a five second. When was the last time you saw the thing? The thing? Yeah, you're gonna go see it next oh, week on the Zoe Chat movie. Years ago, years ago. But probably. you have, of course, the fondest memories of it. Oh, it's one of my all-time favorites. It's probably, it probably is my number one favorite movie ever. Yeah, it's in my top ten as well, without question. Have you ever seen it in a theater before? No, Ugh. and it was one of the movies when I lived up north. I had a very good relationship with a theater owner in Chetwind. If I'd stayed in Chetwind another year, which almost happened if I didn't get the job to come back here, uh, I was probably going to be running a screening series where every month I could run one movie and I would probably pick something like seasonal or whatever. Oh, that would rule. Uh, and what I was building towards was showing The Thing uh, the week of Halloween. And obviously I moved and it didn't happen, but um, it's always been a dream of mine, yeah, to see it uh, in a theater. And I would love to see it on film though i would imagine that the, the rio is probably just playing it off of blu-ray i would think so but who knows man there, if you if there's one place that you might have the chance to see it on film like the Rio's easily your best chance uh you seen anything good lately A tv shows not as much movies i guess i'm trying yeah. to think i feel like i've seen good movies lately but i thought your point earlier about just consuming so much less during quarantine was bang on like i used to listen to podcasts all the time and now like I just find myself sitting in silence doing nothing. Like having like silent alone time is so valuable to me yeah. now in a way that it never was before. Yeah, I still dodge that. I just play a lot of video games. <laughs> I just smoke weed and zone out <laughs> and don't think about anything at all. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta go. Happy birthday. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Bye.